In 2018, Gavin Newsom was elected California's governor with nearly 62% of the vote. It was the largest margin of victory in a California gubernatorial election in nearly 70 years, and it cemented Newsom's reputation as a state's marquee Democrat. His star rose over the next two years. He loudly opposed the Trump administration and got high grades from Californians for his initial handling of the COVID-19 pandemic. There was talk he might even have a chance to become president one day, or maybe even a California senator. But now Newsom stands before the California electorate in recall election set for September 14th. And all of liberal America is asking, what happened? I'm Gustavo Arellano. You're listening to The Times, daily news from the LA Times. Today's Wednesday, September 8th, 2021. Mexico's Supreme Court votes to decriminalize abortion in the world's second largest Catholic nation. The state of Idaho has started to ration medical care in 10 hospitals as COVID-19 patients overwhelm them. And the Marvel film Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings set a box office Labor Day record. Over $90 million. Take that, Quentin Tarantino. Today, in the second part of our series on California's gubernatorial recall election, we examine the rise and potential fall of Gavin Newsom. The avowed progressive seems like the perfect official to lead deep blue California during these uncertain times. Urbane, raspy voice, great hair. But now there's a chance he might be on the wrong side of a historical political upset. People's lives, freedom, security, the water we drink, the air we breathe, they all hang in the balance. The country is watching us. The world is waiting on us and the future depends on us, and we will seize the moment. That was Gavin Newsom in 2019, shortly after he was sworn into office. LA Times Sacramento bureau chief John Myers has followed Newsom's career from the start. He joins us now. John, welcome to The Times. Thanks, Gustavo. So we talked about Republican gubernatorial candidate Larry Elder yesterday, and Newsom's like the flip side of Elder. Elder is a conservative black man who grew up blue collar in South Central Los Angeles. Newsom, meanwhile, is a liberal white man from the Bay Area who grew up in a rarefied world. Did he always have political ambitions? Well, I mean, I think it's important to start with the fact that Gavin Newsom did grow up around San Francisco politics, you know, a city that has launched most of California's political leaders over the past half century. No disrespect, of course, to the City of Angels. That's kind of how it goes. (laughs) His grandfather helped the first Governor Brown, that would be Pat Brown, get elected district attorney of San Francisco, so way back. His father, Bill Newsom, was a judge appointed by Jerry Brown in the 70s. And, you know, I think Gavin Newsom, though he fashioned himself as a young man, as a restaurant and wine shop entrepreneur, he veered into that familiar world of politics when he got appointed to a parking commissioner job and then went on to other posts, you know, that's a long way, I guess, of saying, I think politics has been a part of Gavin Newsom's world from the very beginning. Yeah, he was born to basically do that trajectory that he had, which was, you know, restaurateur, San Francisco supervisor, San Francisco mayor, California lieutenant governor, and now, of course, currently the governor. What do you think is the key to his success all these years later? I think Newsom really has used the combination of uh, good timing and the right message to his full advantage. You know, on the whole, I think he's been really good at politics. He was considered, get this, too far to the right, too business community focused by some in San Francisco. Only in San Francisco would Gavin Newsom, of course, be seen as uh, too conservative. But he quickly found his star moment on the left in the fight over gay marriage, and he got really good at attracting national attention, the talk show circuit and other things. You know, I think up until this point, Gavin Newsom 
has been really good at understanding how to build a political brand and stay on message. And I think that's one of the things, you know, really, Gustavo, that makes this recall so interesting in some ways. It is the brand that California voters, I think, are questioning. Maybe not always the content, but definitely the brand of Gavin Newsom is under fire. Which is interesting because, again, that brand has been so successful for 15 years, a brand backed by the big money of old San Francisco. But this is a guy who was, again, like was seemingly born into the role and has leaned on that success and those supporters all the way to the highest position in California. Yeah. And that's not to say that he hasn't had challenges in his life. I mean, his parents divorced when he was young. His mother struggled as a single mother to raise Newsom and his sister profoundly dyslexic as a child, really impacted the way he connects with people and the way he communicates. But yeah, I mean, born into a universe where politics was very comfortable, I think, and that's where he has been. And now, of course, the thing that has been with him for so long is the thing that is most challenging for him. We'll have more after this break. John, you mentioned earlier that Gavin Newsom's real first foray into national prominence was over the fight over gay marriage in 2004. At the time, he was mayor of San Francisco, and he ordered the city clerk to start issuing gay marriage licenses. And that set off a legal battle that ended in May 2008 when the California Supreme Court overruled that ban. And then shortly after, Newsom said the following words at a victory rally. As California goes, so goes the rest of the nation. It's inevitable. This door is wide open now. It's going to happen, whether you like it or not. What was it about that piece of audio that, for you, solidified Newsom in the progressive world, but also ends up coming back to bite him? I guess I think that there was a cockiness, a, a confidence out of that that really appealed in this polarized era, right, that appealed to the progressive base and also made him, you know, the guy in conservative circles that they wanted to target in a lot of ways. So it was really of the moment. And of course, you know, we should point out that we could be having a different conversation had the U.S. Supreme Court not ruled the way it did and everything did. It went the way Newsom needed it to go to really help his career. But at the time, I do think it was a legitimate gamble for him. Yeah, he says this. And then months later, California voters approved Proposition 8, which banned same-sex marriages again. And its supporters used that clip of Newsom in a commercial to point out to the rest of the country, yeah, you know, they're coming for us. They have this arrogance. They're going to shove their idea of what the world should be down everyone's throats. And to me, that brings up a pattern that seems to dog Newsom. He does these bold statements or actions that win him points with progressives, but then creates this enmity among conservatives, which that I don't think Democrats across the rest of the country get because they'll ask, like, I thought California is a blue state and I thought everyone liked Newsom, but they really don't get how much his opponents truly loathe them. Yeah. And I really do think it goes back to this whole idea that the polarization of politics right now makes this really two sides of the same coin. What appeals to one group really deeply really offends the other group. Again, if we look at the arc of Gavin Newsom's political career, this has worked for him very well up until this point. And this is the point where we are examining the other side of that, and it is threatening that political career. 
So we get to last fall. Newsom's now the governor of California. There's been recall campaigns tried against them, but none of them are working. The current one at the time, it's not really going anywhere. Then a picture of him is released. He's eating indoors at the French Laundry, a really famous restaurant in California's wine country, and a really expensive one, too. He's eating indoors, he's not wearing a mask, and he's with people who aren't part of his family. All of this right before he puts in new COVID-19 mandates that basically say you should only be with your family, you should be wearing a mask indoors, and you shouldn't be eating indoors. All of a sudden, the recall campaign gets a rush of signatures. Can we really explain the reason Newsom is facing his recall because of that moment at the French Laundry? Well, I mean, it's an important part of it, absolutely. But let's just make it clear, that dinner at the French Laundry yes, will go down as one of the most infamous political blunders in California history. But really, I think the recall is best understood, if I could, as a bit of a triple whammy. And what I mean by that is it's an unprecedented public health emergency where his mistakes have gained outsized attention. And then on top of that, this perception, right or wrong, that he didn't get what real people were dealing with, that fancy dinner was at the top of the list. And then on top of that, the rules of this recall, which included this unprecedented decision by a judge to give the recall backers an extra four months to collect signatures because of the pandemic. I think everyone that knows that Newsom, for these reasons and more, really is in the fight of his political life. But it is really, I hate to use the cliche, that perfect storm in politics. So what's the ostensible reason for people to want to recall Newsom, at least the official campaign to recall Newsom? What are they saying? Why should Newsom not be the governor of California? Well, they've said more than one thing. If you read the official petition that was drafted before the pandemic hit, it goes into a lot of criticisms that are really in far-right conservative politics, immigration issues, but it also addresses water issues, uh, environmental issues like that. But of course, it's morphed as the pandemic spread and concerns about Newsom's leadership there were raised everywhere. People saw it the way they wanted to see it. And I think in a lot of ways, Gustavo, The recall really is a bit of a political Rorschach test. People bring to it what they want to bring to it, what they see, what they are angry about. I have liberal Democratic friends and I have Republican friends. And my Democratic friends are still angry about schools and things. And my Republican friends are are about the mandates. And, you know, and again, you can bring whatever you want to this fight. And that's one of the challenges for Newsom here is trying to kind of, it's like a -a whack-a-mole game of trying to kind of knock the things back that people say are wrong and that are his fault. You, of course, covered the last gubernatorial recall that we had in California in 2003, where voters recalled the governor at the time, Gray Davis, and installed Arnold Schwarzenegger as his replacement. For you, what's the biggest difference between the recall of Davis and the potential recall of Newsom? I think, if anything, the biggest difference for me is that this one came out of nowhere. I mean, really, if you look at Gavin Newsom's poll numbers, his job approval ratings uh, prior to this pandemic, they were awfully good. If you looked at Gray Davis's 18 years ago, they were horrible. I've kind of told people some that I feel like every day Gray Davis got out of bed, something else was kicking him in the backside. I mean, it was budget deficits or it was, you know, obviously he was still having this leftover of the power blackouts from before. So everything seemed to be going against Davis. And you didn't feel that way with Gavin Newsom until the pandemic hit and the pandemic raised questions about his leadership and also this general frustration with some of the other issues that are chronic in California, homelessness, housing, traffic, environmental issues. So it really, it, it came out of nowhere. And that doesn't mean it won't be successful. It just means that it has been really unique, I think, relative to the one that we did 18 years ago. 
And I think that's also what strikes observers, both in California and beyond. Newsom is supposed to be, or it was, it is, this rising star in the Democratic Party. So you could understand Davis being sacked, but with Newsom, it just draws so many questions from people like, California, really, you, you're doing this, why? Yeah, and I really think that there is a, you know, we can't really draw a whole lot of conclusions about statewide recalls. This is only the second one ever. We've had some, you know, legislative and local recalls, but we haven't really had anything of this magnitude other than 2003. But a recall feels like a little bit of a primal scream in politics. I mean, it is this moment for people to just pull out their hair. You know, it's the scene from network TV. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it any longer. And it does bring out that sense in people, and people will start to attach lots of things. But that does not always translate into ballots cast. And I think that's where we are at this point, is trying to figure out how much of that really translates into political peril for Newsom. We'll be back after this break. John, so the recall election for Governor Newsom was officially certified in July. And at the time, California was you know, better than it was during the height of the pandemic. We still hadn't really seen the Delta variant shooting up. Wildfires weren't really that much of a thing. The economy was coming back a little bit. But now, of course, the polls are far closer. The Delta variant is raging still. Wildfires are just reaching historic levels. And the recall is supposed to be on September 14th. Of course, all California voters got mail-in ballots. This was actually a gamble by Newsom to move up the election instead of having it in November under the assumption that things would be much better in September than they would in November. Do you think that backfired on him? I don't know. I mean, I'm not gonna, I I wish I had a good crystal ball. I guess you and I can talk on September 15th or 16th or whenever we know for sure and we'll kind of look at it. It was though a gamble. It was this sense that things were looking better, right? This was before the Delta variant. Things were looking better. Let's go ahead and get this question to the voters. And now you wonder whether we had a little bit more time, we might have some time to kind of make progress on the fight against the Delta variant and getting these vaccinations up. I think that the biggest challenge Newsom has, though, is that it's an odd time to vote. September is not when we think about voting. Kids were going back to school. Families have lives. And the other part of this, too, is the fundamental thing. And we've kind of talked about it a little bit. But the fundamental thing here is the feeling of Democrats. How motivated are Democrats? How much do they think their Democratic agenda is in danger? This election, you know, is all about whether Democrats stick together and cast ballots. Yeah, we shouldn't even be having this discussion, frankly. There's far more registered Democrats than Republicans, five million more. And polls show that a majority of California voters still support Newsom in his policies, how he handled COVID, just in everything, even though the polls show there's not as much enthusiasm on that recall question. And if those Newsom supporters show up to vote no, then there you go. Newsom stays in office. So why are his supporters nervous? Well, because they have gotten this sense, and I think it was somewhat fueled by some polling, including the polling that uh, we did along with UC Berkeley at the Times, that showed that among likely voters, those voters who said, yeah, I really want to turn out in this election, there was a much stronger component of Republicans than would otherwise appear in the electorate, that Republicans might potentially represent much more than the 25% of the registered electorate they had. And if that was the case, Newsom could be in real trouble. And so that's really the question is, where are these Democrats? I mean, I I think it's important to point out 
that we get numbers pretty much every day of ballots that are being turned in. It's really important to note, too, these ballots are being turned in. They're not being counted yet. They're just being processed and sorted by elections officials. But that number has continued to show that Democrats are really turning out in these early times. They're turning out far above even their dominance of the registered electorate. So that's a good sign probably for Newsom, but, you know, it's not over till it's over. And we know that the Republicans are going to show up. We think the Republican ballots might be a little bit later in this process, but we'll start to find all of this out a little after eight o'clock on election night. And I don't know where it's going to go. And I won't, (laughs) I'm not going to make a prediction. Yeah, you know that Dems are sweating when they're pulling out Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders to do a commercial to try and convince California voters to come out and vote no on the recall. The September 14th recall of Governor Newsom is a bold-faced Republican power grab. Don't let it happen. Thank you. John, did Newsom supporters ever plan for the day where their man might be in trouble like this? No, I don't think so. I don't know. You know, again, I don't know whether anyone's supporters really plan for the worst case scenario in that way. And again, I go back to the fact that his poll numbers look so good that I think that people were kind of caught by surprise. But this is a defining moment. You know, we can say that a recall is a flash in the pan and that it's just the primal scream, as I said. But it is a defining moment, I think, not only for Gavin Newsom, but for Democratic politics in the state. It doesn't mean the Democrats won't remain dominant. I think they absolutely will. But it is defining in terms of what they believe, what they stand for, how they will uh, come together, and what is the brand? You know, I talked about brands of Gavin Newsom earlier. What is the brand of Democratic politics in California mean? When you're in a state where there's so many people who ostensibly think like you, and you have these differences of opinion in that, what does it look like going forward? So I think this is a really interesting moment in the political life of the state. Let's try to war game two scenarios. Say the recall doesn't go anywhere. Voters say no, Newsom remains in office. Does that change the Democratic Party in California in terms of the policies that they have been doing over the past 25 years? I think that the answer to that war game scenario depends on Newsom and it depends on how he comes out, you know, and does he come out the next day or whenever we know the result of this election and say, I hear you, I understand, I feel it, I realize we've made mistakes, we need to do better. Or does he come out defiant and say, you know what, I was right all along and the election proved it that way. Those are two very different scenarios for not only his fellow Democrats, but for also the way that you push an agenda forward. And there are huge issues, wildfires, homelessness, housing issues writ large, and the pandemic. There's not small things facing this governor. So it really depends on the message that he would send if he prevails. And let's say Newsom, in fact, is recalled. Larry Elder does become the governor of California with about 20% of the electorate. What does that do to the Democratic Party in California? I think that is the break glass in case of emergency scenario for Democrats. I mean, it definitely rattles them, I would think. But, you know, we got to remember here, Gustavo, the fundamental political dynamics of this state are still very much with the Democratic Party. I mean, it is hard to see a Republican, should one win this recall election, holding on to that job in the 2022 regular election. Democrats would be motivated, especially, and I would say, too, a Republican would have a hard time holding on probably after being stymied by a Democratic legislature here in Sacramento. I mean, it would be a political war. I don't think it changes the dynamics, but it would be unprecedented. I think if Larry Elder became the governor, the Democratic Party has an awful lot of soul searching to do. They are unbelievably dominant in terms of California politics. They control everything in the state, all of the major seats and a supermajority of the legislature. I think it would 
really raise questions about their ability to motivate voters and also would say a lot about Gavin Newsom and his general popularity with the party faithful. And I think it would crack open a really intense and fascinating election cycle in 2022 to see who would challenge Elder for that job. Regardless of what happens on September 14th, is Newsom's political career over? (laughs) Well, I mean, let's put it this way. If he wins, if he prevails in this recall, no, his political career is not over. I think he's automatically the guy that runs for another four-year term in 2022. Now, some people thought Gavin Newsom could be president one day. That doesn't look quite as good anymore, thanks to Kamala Harris, who is kind of, by the way, a frenemy, I would say, a little bit of a San Francisco politician that they've gravitated toward. I don't think president, maybe, but maybe the Senate, Dianne Feinstein, you know, if she steps down, Gavin Newsom could be in the U.S. Senate if he wanted to. Again, these are scenarios if he prevails. And again, I think it depends on the way he would handle winning this election. If he loses and he's recalled, I don't want to say it's over, but you haven't seen Gray Davis on the stage since he lost that election. And that would be a major, major blow. And it would be a major shakeup of California politics because some other Democrat would jump in or would attempt to jump in to fill that void. John, thank you so much for this interview. You're welcome. And that's it for this episode of The Times, daily news from the LA Times. For more on the California recall election, follow The Times on whatever platform you use. And check out yesterday's episode about Larry Elder, who's the main Republican candidate. Tomorrow, we leave the recall, but continue with politics. California Congressman Adam Schiff on 9-11 and January 6th. Our show is produced by Shannon Lynn, Denise Guerra, Melissa Kaplan, and Marina Peña. Our engineer is Mario Diaz. Our editors are Shawnee Hilton and Lauren Rabb, and our theme music is by Andrew Epen. Special thanks to Hiba El Urbani. I'm Gustavo Ariano. We'll be back tomorrow with all the news in this madre. Gracias.